welcome everybody to yet another episode of Sestas Podcast, a place where you can learn and get insights about the cryptocurrency industry. I'm your host, Eric, and today we are going to talk about the current events happening in the world as we are witnessing a paradigm change. With Bitcoin soaring in the past week, the US election is looking like a Hollywood movie and PayPal launching Bitcoin services. A lot of things have happened since the last episode. We're going also to take a look at the current system architecture that governs our societies and why Bitcoin and cryptocurrency play a big role in this new world. I hope you're excited and without further ado, let's get started. Okay, so the first subject we're going to talk about is, of course, the U.S. elections that just happened or that actually not over yet. And as President Trump continues to dispute the results of the U.S. election 2020, more and more people are suspicious of the whole election process and demands a clear and transparent election. Is there a voter fraud or not? I don't know. But the media has announced that Joe Biden has won the election, even though President Trump keeps saying on Twitter that he has won the election by a lot, quote-unquote. And this political context is really bad for the institutions, because in today's world, with social media, the internet, information spreads so fast that more and more people are aware of this fact. And from both camps, from Democrats and Republicans, and they both are starting to question the voting system. I mean, how is it that with all we can do with the internet today, we still have to send ballots, paper basically, to vote. And it's taking days to count the votes. Uh, I mean, we are in 2020. We have reusable rockets, electric cars, machine learning, VR technologies, and just this is just to name a few. But somehow voting is still a mess. And why can't we vote on the internet in 2020? That's because of the system architecture that are in place in our societies. I mean, let's uh, think of this. We structured our governance systems in a centralized manner because it was the most efficient uh, way to do this in the industrial revolution. But today we have the internet. And at the end of the day, whoever wins the election is not going to change your life. Your personal life is not going to change, you know, whoever is the president of your country, not much. And at the end of the day, you still have to you still have any control on the laws of your country. You elect people, you elect representatives to do the job for you. So you get asked to vote for somebody every four years or five years, it depends on, on the country you live in, and then your job is done. And that's because our systems are centralized. We have people on the top that decides for the rest of the citizens. And one thing for sure. I can assure you that voting via mailing ballots are, are going to be something of the past. They are not going to be there in the next election. And that's just because there are there are there are a source of fraud. You can fraud easily with mailing ballots because it's just paper. This is just paper and at the end you have a human that looks at your paper and enters your vote in the in a in the database. Now, imagine a world where we can vote on the blockchain. And you know I hate to use that word like a buzzword with no meaning because if you listen to the previous episodes, you know that blockchain is just a slow database and that there are many kinds of blockchains. I'm talking about 
open, decentralized, censorship-resistant blockchains, like Bitcoin, like Ethereum. If we have a system that allows citizens to vote on Ethereum, for example, or Bitcoin, you wouldn't have to wait a week to get the, to get the results. You would have it instantly. And for 100% truth, we know for sure this is the result. It's not like there's a question. The, the very simple fact that we're questioning who won this election is a reflection of uh, the flaws of the, of the current uh, structure of the system. Because the way it is set up right now allows doubt to come. And this is not really good because when the citizens of your country doubt the election process, bad things can happen. Very bad things can happen. And now we have a divided country. The US are divided like never before. And both camps uh, think they are right. And both camps just don't see that the problem is not who won. The problem is how we set up the system that allows us to, to know who won. If we used blockchain, a blockchain, a decentralized, a censorship-resistant and open blockchain, we would be able to know who won directly without waiting for days. We would know if somebody tried to cheat, we would know everything because it's open it's, and you cannot cheat because of the you know characteristics of the blockchain. Bitcoin, for example, is a, is a network of trust. It's not just money. It's a ledger that you can verify and trust by yourself. You don't need somebody to tell you, like the media or anybody else, to tell you who won or did the tra transaction occurred or do you have sufficient funds or anything. You don't need to trust anybody. You verify by yourself with a software you are running on your computer that tells you the truth and the truth cannot be cannot cannot be altered so that's just the political uh, aspect of the, the architecture but if you look at the economic perspective of our economies of our societies you don't vote for the monetary policy of your central bank i mean central bankers are not even elected so at the end of the day you are playing a game of monopoly and you are not electing the people that creates the paper money, which is, you know, you're getting basically taxed. Uh, this is a shadow tax and you don't have any control of this. And the question, why don't, don't we have uh, architectures that are more decentralized and open? I don't have the answer, but you can go different ways when, when you're aware of this fact. And some people do protests you know, they go and they protest, they, they go and uh, with, uh, you know, messages and they go and they yell on the street. But okay, that generally ends in an orgy of violence by a militarized police force, which is doing exactly what police has always done in the past. And you can you can do that, basically. You remember Occupy Wall Street, uh, the Yellow Jackets or the Arab Springs? What happened there? Violence. What can you do? You can ignore. So some people protest. Some people just ignore. They say, "Okay, yeah, uh, I don't give a, I don't give a damn." Basically, about these people, uh, I can do anything. So I'm just going to live my life and ignore all of this because, you know, I don't have any impact. And that doesn't really do well because uh, it's obvious if you don't get involved, you have no voice basically. And the other option you have is 
go up the ladder and trying to become part of this parasitic class by scrambling and climbing the ladder in some way and just, you know, be rich enough to be above the middle class. And the problem with that is that the middle class is disappearing. I mean, you think you're, you're, you're going up the ladder, but you're actually, uh, actually sliding backwards because the middle class is going to disappear. So the problem resides in the architectures of our societies. All of our modern architectures are centralized. There is no other way to establish trust between two parties without a centralized authority. We went from an economy where you trade with your community, it's peer-to-peer, -peer. you go to the butcher and you buy some meat and you pay him with cash, but of course cash is disappearing. And now the system uh, is basically you have intermediaries that are taking a cut, they are seeking a rent, like Stripe, like Visa, like Mastercard. They, get, they, they got in the way between you and the person you're doing the transaction with. This is called rent-seeking behavior. They, they're trying to stick a straw and to try to, to take as much as they can. And so when you pay your butcher, he receives a lot less money than you originally sent. Because you no longer pay a, your butcher directly. You pay a corporation that pays a corporation that pays a corporation that maybe pays your butcher. You don't have a you don't have a voice when it comes to the legislation of the country. You don't have a voice when it comes to the monetary policy. And you don't have a choice when you pay somebody because cash is going away. It's the end of cash. It's the, the end of cash and the beginning of CBDCs and corporate currencies. Of course, CBDCs, you might have heard the terms before. This is central bank digital currency and corporate currencies. It's currencies created by corporations like you know apple coin or amazon coin whatever or libra so libra was supposed to launch in the next few months but obviously this project is probably dead by now but you have a new player coming into the place and it's central banks we have china that is already testing its cbdc we have europe and the us that are experimenting right now right now the world of finance is changing and nobody is looking at it because nobody understands it. Nobody cares, actually. But if you care about that, you have a clear vision about what is happening. And you know that you have basically a few things you can do. You can vote or you can exit. You can exit the market. You can exit and saying by saying, I don't want to take... Uh, part of your game of monopoly where somebody is printing trillions of dollars without our permission, without any legal process, without any voting, without any consultation with the people. You can vote, you can exit, because central bank digital currencies are not going to be uh, beneficial for, for people. I mean, we already have credit cards and you just have to wave the plastic to pay. It's already efficient. But central bank digital currency only benefits the central bank. And because they are competing against each other, you have different central banks. We will have in the future different central bank digital currencies. We will have different corporations creating their coins, corporate currencies, that will compete against each other. But I assure you that Libra or Amazon coin or, or Twitter coin is not going to be available in China 
Why? Because they are going to launch the equivalent version of this, this, the currency, but made by themselves. Why would the Chinese accept Libra? They will have Alipay or something like that. Do it for them. So you are still, you know, um, fragile because if there is something going on between the two countries and somehow your money is frozen or anything, you are uh, basically screwed. But you have one choice and it is to exit, exit the market by becoming a sovereign individual, by becoming the owner of your money, becoming free. Because nobody can change the role of Bitcoin. Nobody can increase the supply. Nobody can do anything to the protocol. Basically, not even all the states combined together can change the blockchain by now because it's become so big. And even PayPal, PayPal right now has announced that they are launching and they're in fact, they're already already launched it in the US, a Bitcoin uh, service. I mean, Bitcoin services, you can buy Bitcoin, hold Bitcoin on PayPal right now. This is just crazy news. And Bitcoin has been soaring, soaring like crazy, probably like 50% increase in the last month. We're not at approximately $15,000. And this is going to go way higher for a simple fact that, as you know, because you listen to the previous episodes, corporations are coming, central banks are coming for Bitcoin, and the supply of Bitcoin is decreasing. There are less and less Bitcoin available for people. So increased demand and decreasing supply leads to only one thing. And this is exponential, exponential increase in the price, because Bitcoin is the most scarce asset in the world. And you can think of gold also because Gold is cool, but gold has a 2% inflation rate, meaning that in 30 years, you lost 50% of your money. I'm just saying, think about that. I know a lot of people are a fan of gold. I'm not as much because like Michael Seller said on an interview, the gold miner is the enemy of the gold owner. They are diluting your, your wealth, basically. And that's why Bitcoin is getting bought by legendary Wall Street traders by corporations that multi-billion corporations and that's only scratching the surface. We don't know what is happening behind the scene. We don't know which company is talking about buying Bitcoin as a reserve asset, as a hedge against inflation. But one thing for sure is that the architecture is forever changed. For the first time in history, we have an open decentralized architecture where anybody can see what is happening. Anybody can participate and anybody can trust what it says. The next few months are going to be incredible, the next few years even more, and I hope you're ready. I hope you, you have your seal bet on, and let's ride this wave. That's it for this episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed it, and if you have any questions, send an email or comment in this section below. I hope you like this episode, and without further ado, i see you on the next one. Bye-bye.